Hey listeners, this is one of your hosts, Kevin. Join us for our new podcast, where we discuss the weird, the bizarre, and the odd that were on primetime television. In our new podcast, Primetime Oddities, you can listen to the first episode in our Star Trek We Trust feed. New episodes coming at you very soon. Hello, and welcome to In Star Trek We Trust. Today, we will be discussing Picard, Season 1, in the second installment of our review and analysis. My name is Ethan, and I'm joined, as always, by Kevin, once again, over the interwebs. Yes, we are. Remotely. The interwebs. For us, is odd. I'm sure many other podcasts do this all the time. For us, it's novel because we live a mile away from each other, so yes. we are often always in person. But because we are uh, over the interwebs, our hailing frequencies are open. True. I and speaking of hailing frequencies, yes, leave us a review if you so desire. Give us the number of stars you think we have earned. Five. Um, you know, give us a tweet. Let us know who your favorite supporting character is, your non-Soji, Dodge, or Let Picard know, character. Let us know who your favorite host is. No, don't do that. Both. Both of the favorite hosts. Our rivalry is already fierce enough without that. So, this is our second episode in our sort of unintended miniseries recapping the first season of Picard. Last week, we spoke in great detail um, unintentionally, but in the end was a good idea about what we thought of the supporting characters and their roles and their arcs over the season and yeah. uh, sparked a good conversation. And, but as a result, we weren't really able to dive into what we thought of the season itself in great detail. And that's what we intend to do today. Absolutely. <clears throat> so I think a good place to start is, you know, one of the big things that everyone wanted to see, and that was Patrick Stewart yes. playing Jean-Luc Picard again. Mm-hmm. Along with, to a slightly lesser degree, Brent Spiner playing Data. Yep. And to a slightly lesser degree, Riker. And to a lesser degree, Troy. And to a lesser degree, Seven. And to a lesser degree, Hugh. We already talked about that last week. So, we'll we start with Picard. Yep. How did he do? How did Patrick Stewart do for you? Patrick Stewart was on fire this season. Um, I thought that he did an amazing job playing the character at a later time in his life. One of the things Patrick Stewart had said going into the series was he was heavily inspired by Logan. Um, I may have brought this point up, um, you know, over the past few episodes, but I just really liked the idea of that. And 
Starfleet captains are not unlike superheroes in a lot of ways, and we never get to see them, what happens to them after they're sort of in their prime, right? What do they do when they retire? What's their life? What are their lives like when they retire? And that, to me, was a very interesting angle to take on the show. We've never seen that on a Star Trek show, but we've also never seen such a deeply character-rich Star Trek show like this to begin with. It wasn't a show that's centered on a ship and a crew. It was centered around one person, which, yeah, was great. And I think Patrick Stewart delivered it. Well, I think he really delivered this season. Yeah, I, I think he did great. I think um, he played him older, but there was so still so much of the younger Picard in there. Yep. So he wasn't playing him as this decrepit sad sack sorry for himself which which makes sense because would be surprised if Picard had ever well a little bit in the first episode I would say he was a bit but I don't think not to the degree that I think you're trying to say yeah not like Logan right for this lowest point so um yeah I think he did well and I think that he he played it as an older actor you know and as an older character so he he wasn't um you know leaping about yeah. He was acknowledging the fact that it's an older character. And I love the way he was able to play not only his the great qualities of Picard, but he was able to play some of the not-so-great aspects of his character, like his arrogance and things yeah. like that, because those are all part of Picard, too. Picard is not a um, perfect person. He's, and that would have been boring to watch a perfect person run around to be perfect. He's not perfect. And what I what I find very interesting is of it about it is that he's a very he's very beaten down in when we first when we first see him um you know when we last saw him at the end of nemesis despite the fact that we had lost data it still ended on a very um positive note because you you were led to believe that data was sort of reasserting himself within before obviously in this show we find out that wasn't exactly the case but between mourning the loss of Data and then also mourning the loss, really, of his Starfleet career, he's a guy who's just, he's hes beaten down, he's tired, he's exhausted, he misses going into space. He, I, you know, he has a really nice scene, I thought, when he said that in regards to his vineyard, he's tried really hard to fit in, to where he be- he's tried really hard to belong, but he doesn't feel like he can. And he truly believes that his where he belongs is in space, and kind of has a nice parallel with when we see Kirk in the first Star Trek movie. He's an admiral, and he's a desk admiral, and he misses being in command of the Enterprise. And uh, I took it as a very interesting parallel. Hmm. I do think one thing I would say is that he, it's almost like not even be in space for me, but he wanted to like be at the center of where the action is, almost like the political action and whatnot. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so cool that we see him, even though, yeah, he's broken down and whatnot. Once he gets a platform again, once he gets people listening to him, once he's on the television show, then he yeah. just unleashes everything. Right. So like, he's just waiting for his opportunity to get right. back Try to save Starfleet in a sense. But also, I mean, even though he goes back into space and feels like, yes, this is where I belong, 
he's not in the center seat, though. He's not in the captain's seat. No. He's definitely calling the shots, though. Definitely calling the shots. I mean, I'm sure we'd all love to see him in the captain's seat again, and it was nice to see him in it briefly toward in the finale, but... Um, he was the captain of the... There's a difference. He was the captain of the mission, but he was not the captain of the ship. Yes. Yeah. He was more of the... Yeah, he was the... In Next Gen, he was, it was both. Yes. He was the pro- proprietor, I guess, because he sort of was paying. Yes. Paying yeah, he doesn't know what to do, but he did the way he wanted to. Yeah. Which I guess was perfect Starfleet order anyway, so I'm sure Picard was satisfied with that. I think also, it, Patrick Stewart clearly did not forget how to play the role. But at the same time, I think he really kind of gave the role a nice bit of evolution. Um, you know, obviously Patrick Stewart now has 17 years worth of more acting credits. And I'm sure, you know, as an actor, he's just been getting better and better since his, since he last played the role. So, and I think that shows in coming back to, uh, play this role again. He's, Patrick Stewart's bringing his, his other, his other experiences with him as an actor. Playing this, mm-hmm. playing this character again. So, totally. I feel that Brent Spiner didn't miss a beat. I mean, when he played Data, no, not at all. You know, a dream. It just, yep. you know, I mean, and I, obviously he created the character of Data, but Data doesn't seem all that hard to play, especially for him. You know, it was very simple for him. And even when he played the song, um, you know, he had that like the lighter side when he did get to play humans and have like more personality. So, yeah, I think he did. Brent Spiner, I think, I don't know if he gets enough credit for this. He's a really good, uh, he's a chameleon. I mean, he can play so many different types of characters. And mm-hmm. it's like every Soong that he has played, think about this. He plays Data, he plays Lore, he plays B4. And they're not all the same. He plays them so differently. Every Soong he has played has been so different. Even though all the Soongs have that little bit of like... um you know, eccentricities about them, but he's really good at really giving them all a different sort of spin. And um, I don't know if Spiner gets enough credit for that. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, and also to play Data, who essentially he it may, he would have to play pretty much exactly the same because Data is Data. Right. And he pulled that off very well. Yeah. So yeah, um, no issues with you know having to suspend disbelief or anything that um, these are the characters that we've known for a long time coming back. And and just one more thing on data. I mean, Spiner has said I saw him say it in at least two different interviews where he said that because he was asked that question, was it easy for you to play data again? Was it difficult to find data again? And he had said that it took longer to get into the makeup than it did to actually find the character again. But I'd imagine, yeah. you know, I used to do a little bit of acting, and I would think that once you begin to get back into that makeup, and, like, he's in familiar surroundings, right? Like, he's back in the uniform. He's in 10 forward. I have to believe it was not difficult for that character to come back, right? Yeah, plus he played it for Jerry. Jerry Ryan, on the other hand, has said that, she could not find Seven's voice for the show. She was really struggling. Didn't uh, Marina Sirtis also have trouble? That I don't know about. Okay. Um, I know that Jerry Ryan, at the very least, did. I've seen her on multiple occasions say that because Seven 
the performance of Seven was not the same. Yeah, and it makes sense to be more human. Seven. But how much more human do you want to go with it? Exactly, and pretty human. She was, but it also to me felt like, in some ways, it felt kind of like a new character because she wasn't. Patrick Stewart, for all intents and purposes, I mean, he is playing Jean-Luc Picard again. And, and you know, again, he's playing a slightly evolved Jean-Luc Picard, but it's not all that different than when we last saw him, right? It's, you know, I would say the performance is a little bit more refined, but on the it's whole, it's... There's some new layers to it. That, yeah, there's new layers, and that's a good word to use. Seven, on the other hand, was this... You know, she had a very specific way of speaking, and then when we see her this time, she's like, she's totally different. I mean, she is really not the same character that we last saw on Voyager. Yeah, right, right. Because she's now had more time, you know, talking with maybe not humans, but humanoids and non-born yeah. people than. Yeah, and yeah. it's interesting because Jerry Ryan had said she was terrified to play the character again because she said when she would get the script. She just couldn't hear those lines in Seven's voice, the voice that we knew in oh, Vo- yeah. in Voyager. Yeah. So she just didn't. And so it's reported. I mean, I've seen her say it at various convention panels and on the uh, ready room. She just could not hear what she would sound like saying these saying these new lines. She didn't know what this new car- what Seven's new voice would sound like. So yeah, yeah. Which I guess it's good that they wrote them in more of a casual speech way, not that right. she used to talk to bring right. that out. Exactly. Um, so, uh, Star Trek Picard is, I would argue, the most different Star Trek show. That's, I agree with, yeah. Okay. Just in terms of, like, the the structure of the season and what... Like, what do you mean when you say... and what? I guess by what aspect? I agree with you, but I want to... I guess what I expect, if that makes sense. I think it's most different in that the fact that we have one season-long arc. Yep. That is, everything directly is leading to that one overarching story. Mm-hmm. There was very little um, that strayed from that. It was a, I mean, it was a mystery. Really. It was a, I mean, it was a Dixon Hill space mystery, I guess. Or Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the other shows had season-long arcs. They had some mystery to it, but this one, I think, because it was so rooted in, it was so rooted in Picard himself. I think that's what makes it different from the others. Uh, it's a show because the the plot of the show, by virtue, is what sets it apart. I think it's a show about a character. And not about an ensemble cast, not about it on a ship going out and exploring space. Right. As much as we didn't know, every ca- every side character, aside from maybe his Romulan roommates, had an arc. Yep. So they all grew and changed over time. Right. So perhaps Picard's was the most, obviously the focus, and maybe the most significant also, where he went from sort of powerless and committed to just, oh, I'm retiring and I'm just here, to um, challenging Starfleet, yep. bringing Starfleet back to its core mission, yep. um, 
challenging himself and setting out again without the backing of Starfleet behind him. I mean, there's some aspects of it, I think, that are not entirely original. What I mean by that is we had talked about this one time, I think, way, way back, where it was, you know, the retired police officer coming back wanting to do, and they say, no, no, you're out of your league, Johnson, you know, you can't. And so they just basically have to take matters into their own hands and figure out a way to do it themselves. We've seen variations of stories like that before. I think this is the first time we, it's one of the few times we see it within the Star Trek universe, in my opinion. Yes, and he didn't, it was interesting because he didn't do it in the way that in those shows it usually does, in those kind of stories where it's like, oh, they prove that they're badass. Right. Or something. He, he sort of, I don't know, I don't know if he got lucky, but. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't purely his his incredible intellect or drive that got it done. No, I would argue. I think you could say that he got lucky, in some ways. He did. I mean, he got lucky because, um, Raffi knew somebody. Yeah, and then people. But I guess the thing that was was in keeping is that he. It was his ability to mobilize people and bring them together and yeah. get them all pointing in the same direction was right. the thing that won the day. Even people that you would expect, you know, we thought were lost, right? Um, it surprises me, though, that he... And they mentioned it on the show. It does kind of surprise me in some ways that he didn't go to his crew. I would think his former crew, because I think those would be the first people he would go to, right? Well, I do love that... There was I that moment it, where that's brought up, too. I think it was explained perfectly well. It was. If they'll do it because it's me... And then I will get the in, and I'll get them into something, and it may not work out, or I don't want to put them in that situation. Right. So that was good. Though we didn't mind putting number one in it because they could have easily been followed. But I think it also speaks to the real world behind the show too, in that Patrick Stewart didn't want this to be Next Generation season eight, right? And so I think that's kind of a uh, sort of example of that mm-hmm. attitude of what he wanted this show. To be, because we, yeah, we would love to see the crew again, all together, going on a new mission together. But I would want to see that. You what? I, well, I would not want to see that. What? I think that, like, that's where we got the interest was in him having to navigate these new personalities, right? So um, I think that that's what was most exciting. But I think back together, like, it wouldn't be that. Like, yes, I would love to see the the entire next gen crew together again, going on a having another adventure, but. I think at the same time, I mean, if they did that on the show, then it's like, well, no, because this is okay. Now we're just back to the same old, the same old shit, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, in a way, in a way, yes, it was. I'm glad he didn't do that, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, and you said that was the mystery. I mean, that was my favorite thing about it was just <clears throat> being pulled along by the mystery. And most of our episodes even focused on the fact that we were trying to put the clues together and figure out. Well, what was great about it being what a mystery? What was happening and what was next, and even when we had questions throughout the season, they were never, they were always kind of answered within an episode or two. Well, what I liked about it was, I think in some ways it breaks a mold, because I like that it's a mystery, but also it did not culminate in this big battle at the end. This was not building up to a battle that was going to decide the fate of the universe, right? Even though... They're like, oh, you know, if synths get to, if we keep doing this, then it will mean our destruction. But there was no 
there was no like imminent threat to the universe that they had to kind of stop, right? Here's the thing. This is why I like it so much because, and I do like it on that aspect. It's almost as if it's more impactful because they dangled that in front of us, yes, but then exactly. didn't do it. They didn't. So do much, it. even had two fleets facing off against each other. Well, remember when? So when the trailer for this episode, for the final episode, came out, there were they showed brief glimpses of a battle, but it was it's what ended up just being the Romulan fleet destroying the giant flowers, right? And I was like, oh god, here we go. Like it's just going to be another like prolonged battle, like we saw in such sweet sorrow. And I'm just like, oh. Yes, but we should have known. We really should have known because every we time really we should have known, but you know, every time I thought that was going to happen in the show, the battles were very short and very tasteful. Right. And um, it yeah, so, so and even the remember, don't forget, there was a an alien threat that could have become a huge battle. Also, could have been right. the Romulans and Starfleet. It could have been the space centipedes and um, I don't know everybody. Right, and it reminded me of the Next Gen episode, Redemption, which is the Season 4 cliffhanger, Season 5 opener, which deals with a, Rom- a Klingon civil war, and the Romulans are involved. And there's a moment toward the end of it where you actually think there's going to be... There, there's a Romulan fleet, there's a Federation fleet, and you think there's going to be a battle. And that doesn't happen and i i forgot about that aspect of next gen because i mean when you really get down to it and think back to next gen there really are not that many battles there's there's a skirmish but there's never like a fleet battle that we actually really ever see no yeah um and and when you think about it the if you want to like what the real climax of the plot is yep is probably um picard trying to get soji to believe that she can trust him and humanity yeah so yeah it's a character moment right that's the real climax and it's that moment when she um you know he convinces her that he can be trusted and so therefore humanity can be trusted that's the real climax so that's that's great that's so much harder to do as a show to have us the main turning point of the show be something between two characters rather than, because if you have a, you know, the destruction of the universe or a bunch of spaceships shooting at each other, the stakes are clear. Right. And, but even then, like when you know, when you have that, and let's be honest, you know what the, as a, as a viewer, as a Trek fan, you already know what the outcome is going to be. All right. Like when we see the red angel is threatening is, or uh, control is threatening the universe or the Zindi are threatening to destroy earth. I mean, we all know that this is, especially because these are prequels, which I, you know, I totally disagree with the idea of there being this like threat to the universe. You're just like, well, no, they can't because I know that earth exists later. So this is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So like, is the mystery now wherein how they figure it out, how they actually resolve it because they, you know, because viewers are smart to this or are wise to this, but yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah. Um, but I liked, yeah, I did like that. I did like that. They did that. I mean, in your opinion, do you feel like 
with all of that in mind, do you think that the show aligns nicely with Next Generation? Do you feel like it's like yes, if Next Generation were done today, like this is what it would probably be? Does it feel like it's yeah? Um. Well, okay. I'm gonna answer that in a different way. Okay. Because I was thinking about the plot, and I love the mystery. Yep. Um. I love the characters. Mm-hmm. I love the interactions. But <clears throat> when I looked at the over the big story, and I kind of thought of it, since it is one big story, I tried to think of it as, what if this one story were a Next Generation episode? Mm-hmm. Obviously, it would be super condensed, but they could still do it. Um, I mean, what would I think of it? It would probably only be a two-potter. Yeah. Or even you could deal with the same ideas of like a planet of, you know, sentient machine life. Yep. You know? So I thought about it on those terms, and on those terms, because there was something about the show I know I didn't love, and it was hard for me to figure it out because I liked the characters, I liked the performances, I liked the mystery, I enjoyed watching it, I thought it looked great. Um, but So I think the thing that I, I, I didn't love is the main story. So if I think about it as, essentially, I feel that uh, measure of a man is more interesting and deals with this better than this episode does, and it deals with it more deeply. Yep. Because as much as this episode set up, there are there is synthetic life. Um, synthetic life was banned, but remember the synthetic life that was banned was it was barely. I don't believe that they were sentient. So I don't know. I I didn't feel any great loss for the the Mars synths that were. Well, you know, I think. Rather than misery or whatever, because I felt like they were barely above, you know, a robot, like a carpenter robot or something. Well, I think, so we're not really given a chance to sort of mourn that loss because we only see it introduced in one episode in that short trek. And then we see glimpses of it on Picard, but like, are you saying that the ban on synth life, okay, but... How widespread were they? Like, in other words, like, what are the... How badly are we really impacted by... Well, essentially, let's say... All right, let's say Starfleet had banned sentient life, and they knew about Soji and Dodge and that whole planet of people that clearly have free will and are, you know, existing as independent beings. That would have been seen as this horrible thing. Right. But they only banned a bunch of... Robots that when we saw them, you oh, know, I see what you're saying. Like they, they're of they a di- they're of they didn't different consciousness. They were just like you program them to fix something and they fix it. Yeah, it. like they're not they're not synthetic. At least from what we've seen, they're not on the same level as a data or a soji. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're so more like never, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there was never a philosophical. It's like banning argument. Siri. What's that? It's like banning Siri. Yes. Yeah. So there was never this debate of. You know, what are Soji and Dodge, those style, and should they be recognized as independent citizens that deserve protection or not, right? There was never any of that because no one knew about them so, except Picard and a few, of only a few people. So there was no big idea being wrestled with here, I don't think. Well, the thing is, you raise an interesting point because when we find out that synths are banned, right, the type of synths that are banned, to your point, at least seems to be the ones that we've seen on Mars, which 
again, now we're just making some educated guesses here just based on what we saw on the show. Well, I think we know that because Girardi says that um, essentially they were trying to make something data-like and they couldn't. Right. And they were leading so scientists. The ban on synths bans synthetics that we saw like the ones on Mars, which are really kind of just like task rabbits. Yes. Right? They're just, they're doing as actually going back to measure of a man, the conversation with Picard and Guinan, when they have that slavery conversation, if you recall that conversation, oh, yeah. they do the work that humans don't want to do. I mean, that's at least what it seems like. I mean, yeah, some of the humans, at, some of like, humans at Utopia Plains just seem to be doing the same thing that they were, but they're clearly though they're not at the level of I don't think consciousness. So, that but with that in mind though, I was thinking. So now you got me thinking. Soji and Dodge. Now we mm-hmm. find out that they were sent out so by Maddox to find out what happened, why they were, why there was a ban, but. Soji and Dodge are so such advanced synthetics that they look human. So much so that they don't even know. They didn't even know that they were right. synthetics. So, and plus, they're able to contemplate what they are. Right. So, like, if you so you have this ban, you send them out there. Starfleet's not even going to know. Exactly. I mean, well, unless I mean, I'm sure a medical scan would reveal that, right? But well, I guess does, not. Does like does Maddox say something like, "Well, fuck it, I'll just send them out because they're not they're not going to be none the wiser. They're not even going to know that they were." Uh, you know what I mean? That, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So all I mean is that <clears throat> there, I don't feel that there was a, okay. There wasn't a big idea being wrestled with like a lot of our favorite Next Generation episodes do. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a big idea being wrestled with about the synthetic life forms. Right. Because I feel they didn't rise to the level of... Right. I, I think if you had the measure of a man trial with one of those um, Utopia Planitia droids, they, they would lose the trial because, you know, that droid would never have passed all the things that they did in that trial like Data did. Right, but also don't forget as Girardi said, they've never been able to successfully duplicate, replicate exactly. the science that was used. To, exactly. Yeah. So that's why I feel they, they, they never struggled with that big idea. It wasn't as if Starfleet was saying, no, we can't allow synthetic life to come. Oh, they had that measure of a man argument again. Right. Now I guess, well, I guess the only big idea that was sort of wrestled with was the like, do we help our enemies when they're in trouble? And it, but that wasn't really dealt with either. So this is the thing that I think I was the only thing I was mildly not satisfied with was I don't think that there was a big idea um, that was kind of yeah. Hashed. I, I wanted to know more about the sort of the the moral implications that Starfleet had kind of wrestled. Maybe I don't know if I want to say wrestled with, but like I wanted to know more about all of this from the Starfleet side of things. Yeah, and we didn't... Which I think... Which I, I think, think their thinking of... was, oh, those things are really dangerous. we got to stop that. Right. Um, yeah, and to your point, you're saying, like, there's no... 
they're not wrestling with any sort of like idea here. It's just it's just a flat yeah. out need to imagine ban the synths and that. Imagine that. if they banned synthetic life, and then they went and Starfleet sent in like shock troopers or Section Thirty One or something to like shut down creatures like Soji and Dodge that had consciousness. Like that would have been like a holocaust. Right, and also with the whole idea of them banning synths, you know, is, I think to your point, is there any sort of like measure of a man type resistance to that, right? Like, does anybody, does anybody try to fight it? Does Picard try to fight it? No, I mean, the thing that they said was only that, um, like you can't do it. Girardi said they were working on creating more data like consciousness. They didn't get there yet. Right. And somehow, um, uh, Riker and Troy's dead kid yep. could have been saved if they had the synthetic life. Yes, for some reason. I don't yes, 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 why. yes. That, to me, needed... That gave it some... That gave it meaning, like... The idea, like, Starfleet, you banned synthetic life, and because of that, this happened to our son... And it's like, what I want to I want to know more about the ramifications of what happens when they ban synthetic life. Like Riker and Troy are clearly affected, but I feel like, but they don't go anywhere with that really. Like I want to know more yeah. about yeah. what are the, yeah, the ramifications of banning synthetic life. Yeah, we because... don't really get a sense of outside of those two. Not at all. Yeah, I so mean, it's his life work of Maddox is gone. Yeah, and as he but, argued, in Measure of a Man, he has the right to not have his life work taken away from him. But the thing is, like when Riker and when we find out that Riker and Troy's son dies, and there's and he dies because synthetic life is banned. I mean, it's a touching scene because you still, as a viewer, you feel like even though we never met the son, you still feel. You still feel his death, right? Yeah, they have the bedroom. But that's also meant as a moment, I think, to sort of remind us, the viewers, like, this is why this is bad that Starfleet did that. But I wanted to see more of that. I wanted to get more of a sense of how this is a, how the how the banning of synthetic life is having an effect on, right? You know, the galaxy or. I don't know. I just I needed I needed a little I needed a little bit more to yes. kind of like buy into the the impact of the whole thing. Yes. So then so then that's why I think in the end there was no big takeaway idea. Yeah. Like I'll keep using Measure of a Man as an example. The big idea for Measure of a Man is um, as we advance our technology, we need to be ready for the possibility that we will create something a new form of independent life with a right. conscience. Conflicts that we'll have to then deal with. We can't just treat it like a toaster. Once and, I would, we do and I would also honestly think that um, if Riker's son is a victim of all of this, I mean, do you think Riker would be like, I can't serve in Starfleet anymore. My son died because of them. Right, or I saw this also pointed out is literally when he was face-to-face with Commodore O, he knew by that point that she was at least partially behind Yes. The- on. So he he must have known that she was partially responsible for the death of his son. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's a good opportunity for him to kind of 
get not his, Duke Kirk. Yeah, I, I wanted to say get his revenge, even though that's not exactly that's not uh, yeah. how it. That's not a Starfleet. That's not, that not the way of the Jedi. But yeah, I, I guess the power of the the emotion of them losing his son of their son. Yeah, even that seemed like an afterthought. I would think like. Yeah, I would think that Riker couldn't... I would think Riker would potentially resign, too. Like, I yeah. can't serve in the Starfleet anymore. My son died because of them. Because of what they did. But then, at the same time, if someone made the argument, like, a few people might die, but we could be preventing the deaths of, you know, hundreds of thousands, you oh. know, maybe accept that argument. Yeah, and that's something you hear on the news today with this COVID thing. Yeah, I don't know what we hear on the news, because we're not... Um, just stay safe. Yeah, stay, yeah. Wash your hands. Yeah. So I think, I think, I think in that particular area, and I'm glad we're discussing that. I think in that particular area needed a little bit. I would have liked a little bit more. Yes, I would have so, liked a little more meat on that bone. Yeah, so that's the one at area that there could have been a passage or a big yeah. idea to grapple with. The other one is yeah. with the Romulans. Right. They wanted to evac. Picard wanted to evacuate. People did, kind of didn't want to, but they were like, "Oh, it's okay." Then they had this setback, and they said, "No, forget it," and they left them to yeah. to die. Yeah, I also feel that Picard sent the message that that was a bad thing to do, but it wasn't. They didn't go much further with it than that. I think the thing that was, as far as the Romulans are concerned, that was not really. The, I think the thing that I wanted a little to know a little bit more about was how this supernova affected them as a people, right? I mean, I know by the time this show takes place, that happened, what did they say, 15, 20 years ago, something like that? But I want to know more about the state of the Empire itself, right? Like, because I would have thought after the supernova, and maybe this is more about the, maybe this is more about the immediate aftermath of the whole thing, that the Romulan race would have become sort of like a third world. They're like a race of refugees now, Right. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more exploration on how that actually impacted them as a race, because within the show, they're still the same Romulans that I've, that we've known. And they're just as threatening as we've seen in the other shows. It, as far as their level of sort of technological advancement, I guess, or militaristic power, Mm -hmm does not seem to have been affected much by the supernova, if at all. Right, because it can't just be the Zatvaj running all that. Right, and you know, and that's actually, so in the initial trailers for the show, that's why I thought we saw, and why we would see, we were seeing the old Romulan battlecruiser from the original series that turns out that person in Stardust City Reg had. I thought to myself, are we seeing that because the Romulans are so, they were so set back by the supernova that they have to, uh, right. that they're pulling out like old ships because it's all they have, right? Yeah, like in Battlestar Galactica. Huh? Yes, like they that's the old ship that they have to take off. Again. Yeah, like that's what I thought they were, that's where I thought they were going with that. And yeah, it would have been interesting. And as I said, with the Borg reclamation project, I thought to myself, is that something that they were, because like maybe they lost a massive level of technological advancement, they were staking a claim on that as a way to kind of, and they're like reverse engineering it and as a way of like reestablishing themselves or something like that's, 
That did seem like that's what was happening. That's yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought was going on with them. And yeah. then ultimately, I, I feel like the Romulan reclamation project was not didn't really mean anything. It was just more of, more of a setting to put Soji. The Romulans. I mean, I think we went into this a little bit in the past, but that did not contribute, in my opinion, to the overall narrative of the show. Right? If you take it out and put a different setting in there, it's still the story can still, I think, continue. You just have a different set of background characters, right? You don't have Hugh and Seven of Nine now, and you don't have XBs. So, to me, it was not really clear what that was kind of there for, because it didn't contribute to the overall narrative, unless I missed something, which I don't think I did. Yeah, I mean, I agree. But you make a good point to say, like, the Borg seem to be, like, a little bit of both. It's fully synthetic human, and they're kind of like the thing in That's why I think they're there, but that would mean they would have to do something with the fact that you now have Picard, who has been a human, a a Borg, and uh, now a synth. He's the... He's the holy trinity. And of I, yeah, life and I like the idea behind that. I, I like the symbol, you know, the symbolic meaning behind that. I guess, but um, yeah, I. But I'll be honest with you, like <laughs> maybe it's just not for me. I don't. I don't. When I watch movies or TV shows, like I don't. I'm not good at finding like symbolism or things or deeper meaning things like that. You know. Well, I think it's going to pay off because I think next season. You're going to have a bunch of XBs now that don't have, you know, I think you're going to have a bunch of XBs trying to, like, figure out where their place is in the universe. Yeah. Because they brought up so much how they don't belong anywhere. Yep. And then I think now you have new relations with the synth planet. Yep. I think it's going to be a natural situation where you have, you're now going to have Picard, who is a senior, albeit, you know, retired, but still a senior Starfleet person who now can be the bridge between those three different groups. So, and I would like to know, because we don't really get an answer for it, um, what's going to become of the synths, because they're on the planet with the... or Sorry, not the synths, the XBs. Oh, and the synths too, but what's going to become of the XBs? Because they're on the planet with the synths, right? Are they going to... Right. How many other other colonies XBs? Yeah, like, I would... I'd like to know what is going to become of that, and I hope that that's something that they address in the future. I mean, if it doesn't, if it goes unanswered, it goes unanswered. But that's a thread I would like to see revisited, whether it is just like an episode in the future, or like even if it's just something like a line of dialogue that answers it, right? But that's an open thread. That's an un. That's an untied thread that I would like to see. I think it has to. Yeah. Well, especially because the the XBs were so prevalent in the season. Yeah, they just you made it so just... clear that a few times they said they're hated, but they're despised by some, and then they're envied for their technology by yeah. others. They don't have a place. Because they were presented to us as being so important. Right. And I think they still you will. Gotta, be... you got to do something with them. Yeah, so that's the another thing. So there's another one. So they didn't do much with the sense. They didn't do much with the... Yeah, evacuation, and they didn't do much with the XBs as far as bigger ideas. Right. So well, that's my only thing of smiley. Well, the thing uh, is, like, they the season was ten episodes, and I wonder, like, had had it been, 
I don't know, like 15 episodes or something like that. Could they have been able to grapple with all of that and sort of do it then? I think they could have done it if they made it a priority, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, they like they walked up to the right up to the edge of it and didn't do it, do anything. Well, and so, and the difference here being like it's not like that's a plot hole. It just no. It's a missed opportunity. It's a missed, yeah, it's a missed opportunity. I mean, with the other show, we were like finding plot holes in the finale that were just coming out of nowhere. Oh yeah, no, I feel very satisfied with the season. I enjoyed it a lot. It's just even the one thing that I realized kind of missed that I love about Next yeah. Gen is when they deal with big ideas. That's the thing. Make like, that. yeah, it it was a satisfying season. As you, but as you say, there were missed opportunities that could have that could have been. Uh, Dealt with in a much better way. Yeah. To give the season, and, and to the, give things a little more. And there were a few things that there were a few times I sort of had to suspend disbelief, which is not unheard of in Star Trek, so I didn't mind that. Right. Something the season does that I really like is that it really gives us the sort of goodbye scene between Picard and Data that Nemesis was not able to provide us. I think that the goodbye scene between the two of them was very touching, and that would have been something that I thought would have been very touching had they done it in Nemesis. I always had issues with the goodbye, with Data's goodbye in Nemesis. Not the death itself, but sort of the way the crew appear to be handling it. Um, I didn't feel that, that that his death in Nemesis had the same impact that, say, Spock's death did in Wrath of Khan. Despite the fact that both were very abrupt, I didn't feel... Data's death, like I felt Spock's, because the crew didn't seem to be feeling it this in the same way on Next Gen that they did in Wrath of Khan. Yeah, it was. It happened off screen. I mean, that's tough. So, um, but Picard is clearly reeling from it and has been, has been, but um. You know, as I said, when we last when we last see Picard and Nemesis, he seems like content. Like even though Data has passed away, he's not. It's not like the, sh- the it's not like the movie ends with Picard walking down a hall hallway in tears, right? But what well, that this, would not be. I don't think that would be Picard's reaction. No, 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 no. But like, what I mean is, when Data died, in Nemesis, I just didn't feel it. I just didn't feel the impact of his death because it didn't seem like the crew did either. And yeah, and I think it just wasn't as well written. I mean, there's a nice scene where they're all toasting him and Troy is tearing up, but like it, for some reason it just did not have any emotional weight for me. Um, I mean, Nemesis, I know it's not really regarded as a great film within the Trek fan community anyway, but um, this this show seems to kind of redo that and give us the give us the ending that is much more poignant and much more emotional and has much more weight to it, right? And but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we haven't seen Brent Spiner play the character since. Well, the finale of Enterprise, even though it's just a voiceover, but we haven't seen Data since 
nemesis. And we see him again on this show after 17 years of seeing him. And then it's like, and in a way it's like he dies again, but now he dies properly. Yes. And he dies. It, it, it's just, um, it, it was a scene designed to pull on our emotional heartstrings. Yeah. And it, and it did it very, very effectively. Um, and it really was the first time we actually saw data in this series. I think because I think, every other time he was Picard's dream. I think it also has a little bit to do with, even though data, maybe I can backtrack what I was saying a little bit because I, there was something I overlooked, even though data died in nemesis, we knew that data transferred his consciousness into the before. And so there was that kind of, you expected the search for data to be the next movie. Well, right, we did. Actually, yes, you're you're not wrong. You're that's exactly right. That's exactly that right. Been good. And if it made money, that probably would have been the next movie. That was kind of where we thought it was going to go because it wasn't. I mean, the movie was advertised as a generation's final journey, but oh, like awesome. even back then, it's like okay, well, you could market it that way, but if it does well, you're going to have to do another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, everybody knows it did not do well, and so they did not do another one. But there was that glimmer of hope at the end of that movie because we knew that data transferred himself into before and it's ending with before singing blue sky so you think oh maybe we are going to see data again maybe data isn't really dead who knows the next movie is not going to answer then maybe the next movie will answer that of course it doesn't because that movie never comes because nemesis tanked at the box office so what this one does is you find out he was not successful transferring himself into before yet data is resurrected in some ways but then he dies again but he dies in a way that actually carries more emotional weight has more meaning and picard is able to actually say goodbye to him properly yeah it was an incredibly effective scene and even just down to just the the setting. Yep. Um, and, you know, Picard was there, and we didn't really know what had just happened to Picard. Did he die? Did he not die? Yeah. Um, so it seemed like a purgatory, almost. Yep. For since? Um, hmm? A purgatory for since, for some reason? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, that, and that's another thing where, also, I didn't care at the time because I was enjoying the scene. But then after I had to think, what exactly did they do with Picard's brain in this? Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't think too hard about that. Well, and Picard's one of them now. Picard is a synth. Right. Because they somehow downloaded his brain. And if they plugged the thumb drives back in, would Data be alive? Yeah, exactly. Um... But no, he wanted to die. Um, yeah, because the way they were able to build since, they could just as easily have rebuilt another data. Right. Right. Unless I guess they'll, they'll probably, I mean, if they wanted to be dead, they'll just destroy the bits that are left. Yeah. Or something. It was interesting to me that there was no synth that did resemble data, though. Like, 
not another Soong type model that looked like Tata among the rest of them. I mean, yes, right. they, they were, all had the gold skin though. Some had the gold skin and the same eyes, but like there was no actual like Brent Spiner, you know. Yeah. Probably because he didn't want to get in the makeup for that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, did we discuss last week about how I know we brought it up on from time to time, but lore and sort of in more detail, like why he wasn't there. No, I would prefer not to discuss it. <laughs> well, it was very. We were just mad that he wasn't referenced, and I was. And then end, I liked like, it completely, and I liked it better. And then I think I at the end, it, at the end, in the end, maybe it just over. It just would have overcomplicated things. Yeah, because I. It just means that Brent Spiner could return, though. First, it was frustrating me that there was no answer, and then I realized if I just. What happens if I think about the show and don't think about lore, and I like it a lot better? So that's what I did. You were doing what I was doing with Discovery when sort I, of, yeah. yeah, when I was getting too obsessed with the lore of, God damn it, with the uh, with the franchise and where Discovery exists within all of this, and wanting to find all these connections, and I was not looking at it by on its own. Yeah, and, and I feel like I was doing I was doing both. I think you were doing something like I think you were doing, I was doing both with this. as a whole, and then I was also also getting frustrated about more not being. Well, I think it was just because the opportunity was clearly there to do it. Not only the opportunity, I almost feel the obligation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was definitely an obligation to. I mean, maybe Lord didn't have to factor into the plot, but at least yes. mention his name. You had Maddox, you had Bruce Maddox, and you had Hugh. Yes. Who were each uh, Maddox was in one episode, right? Yep. And he was in two episodes. Two episodes, right? yes. How many were lore? How many episodes were Lauren? Was Lorian? Four? Right. So Lore Four or five? Is four or five. The, I can't remember how many there are. Lore is the more significant character. Right. And yet he was not addressed. But it's I mean, it's a season where data is a huge factor in the season. I mean, did Lore have to show up? No. Probably not. I just think that I, the fact that he was not even name dropped, I found yeah, a little trouble. Before, yeah, one line of dialogue, and yeah. since Lore's brother was pulverized on planet blah blah blah, we couldn't right. use his parts. That's it, done. Yeah, because Lore, honestly, it, I mean, it could have served two purposes. I mean, the context was definitely there to mention Lore at least by name, but to also tell us. What his fate was, because we don't really know. Right. It and was then said also, even at the end of Descent when, that he was going to be deactivated, but was he? We don't know. Yes, and when Data was um, actually toward the end, when Data said to Picard something about his brother, meaning Sung, my ears perked up again. <gasps> yeah, I, yes, I remember that. You were like, you thought that was lore. I did. I thought Sung was lore. But also, I think the reason why I found it troubling, at least early on, was when you had this whole so. Uh, Dodge Soji thing and them saying they're built in pairs. I was like, well, yes, Data and Lore. But then you also had yeah. B4 over there. But, but B, yeah, but he but, wasn't. He was B4. He was an early prototype. B4 yeah. was the prototype, exactly. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're built in pairs. So Data and Lore and Lore. But then also Dodge and Soji, they're Data's daughters. Where's yeah. the Lal reference there? I didn't care about that. 
Not a factor in the plot. At least name dropper, for God's sakes. Yeah, that's true. He had another daughter, but she sucked. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, look, I... Not that I want to sound like some spoiled Trek fan, but, like... Don't treat it like Data never had a daughter before. Right. Is all I'm and, saying. And, you know, especially when they when they clearly... I mean, like we've said many times, we disagree with the haters that say, those people don't know anything about Star Trek. They know a lot about Star Trek. They treat it respectfully. Yes. They integrate things really well. So that's why we hold them to a high standard. If you're going to reference some obscure alien race from a first season episode in Voyager, then yes... They know their trick. Yeah, which 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 also could mean that next season something will happen with Laura. I mean, there's no Laura could uh, turn up, in my opinion. Will he? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know either. But yeah, it was it was. I, I like that you said there's a, there was at least an obligation to yeah. uh, make reference to him and because they know there was him. Some percentage of us are sitting there thinking, what about lore? Right. And the only reason I came up with, because I think we said this after the... We we were saying this as far back as the first episode that we recorded about this. Um, I said, you know, people... There could be people watching this who are just watching it because they love Patrick Stewart. They may not be 100% familiar with Next Generation. We see B4 in this draw here, and even though she just said they're built in pairs... And they're talking about data. Then we see before. Yeah, they that kind of the that kind of there's the pair right there, right? Yeah. Once you introduce Lord to the equation, it's like, well, wait a minute. So there's three. Yeah, but they could have also. I mean, they wrote those lines. They could have. I know they could modify it and say, well, before was actually. Did they say before was a prototype? I think they even said that in the episode. I can't remember. Um, um but yeah, they should have. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just to satisfy us. Yeah. But it's all right. Uh, it's I, I will let it slide because yeah. Think about think of it like this: if we at this point are complaining that they did not make reference to those, if that's if that's our level of complaint, I think we're in a pretty good spot. Oh, definitely. And I'm not complaining anymore. I'm just yeah. noting. Okay, if we are noting that they didn't do that, then I think we're in. You know, if that's if that's the level of oh, right. notes yeah. that the we're pl- making. The, we didn't notice plot holes and things. The one that we remember, we were very confused. I was confused as to why is it that when they brought um, Narek back to the um, you know utopia of since, yeah. that after they let them through the gate, they just let them free to wander around. Well, and that's the other thing. Narek's fate is sort of left up in the air. We don't really know... What the deal with that is? Right, because um, he helped them, but he only helped them because he helped, he helped them to help him. But um, what I also want to know is how do they? So Commodore O and I'll, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> what are the ramifications of this? Yeah, why did they let her leave? Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess actually they had a pretty equally matched fleet. It would have been a, a bloodbath. That was probably why. But, yeah, like, what are the... Yeah, what are the ramifications of all of this? Right, you would assume that now Starfleet would be at war with whoever's left of the Romulan Empire. Yeah, I mean, look at look at what the Romulan Empire did. One, 
one Commodore and one Lieutenant. Maybe. We don't know that. I'll confirm. Maybe. Potentially de- destabilized an entire sector of space in some ways. Yes. And set back um, Federation technology by stopping them 15 from, uh, by like 15 also, directly responsible for the death of all those people yes on your planesia yes yeah, so no, not, yeah totally like what the fuck stuff like what's going to like what's more troubling to you the fact that someone sorry let me stop this again what's more troubling to you the idea that a romulan Worked her way up the ranks in Starfleet, posing as a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Causes all of this mayhem. And then 15 years later, is just let go and nothing comes of it? Well, like, no, we don't know. We don't know if what's going to come of it. Like, Yeah, I don't think nothing's going to come. But I do think that in that moment, nothing good could have happened with two equally matched fleets. Right. I mean, well, just some prolonged battle that we would have not, we, we may have just gotten bored with after a while. But and a lot of people would have died. Yeah. It's just I find it troubling how easy it is to just go undercover at Starfleet. And I, I know it's a TV show, and I, I get it, but like yeah. I just yeah, right, right, right. It's true. Like one person, more or less, caused all of that that we know of. I don't really count Rizzo because I, she was just kind of doing what O told her to do. O kind of orchestrated well, the whole she thing. She was in Starfleet. She was in Starfleet, but O orchestrated this whole thing. And how did she disguise herself? As far as we know, like, are there no medical scans? Right. Can she change her physiology to look? Well, that was definitely like a lieutenant of O, I guess. Yeah, but like. When you join the military, you've got to take a medical a medical exam. Yeah. Was nobody in Starfleet like, wait a minute? Well, I guess faking records is easy because um, Maddox did it pretty pretty effectively. I guess I don't know. I just um, it happened. I it happened. I you know we wouldn't have a show without it, and that's fine. I get it. I just I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the big things that has been said about this show, that it is not, tr- we, we know this is the phrase we hate, it's a term we hate, but let me guess. does not live up to Roddenberry's vision of the future, where Starfleet is the representation of all that is progressive and advanced and logical and good. I don't know, by the finale, I got that sense. Right, so... I think one of the things that we noted was that in the arc, Picard's arc was for Picard to bring back the ideals of Starfleet. Right. Yet Starfleet to realize its own ideals. So yes, Starfleet had swayed, it had strayed from its beliefs in equality and justice and fairness and all that. But Picard made it his mission to bring them back and then there they were, making contacts and first contact with the synths and recognizing this new life form and defending the new life form against the Romulans. So I think that though they strayed, Picard brought them back. Starfleet being interchangeable with Commodore O. 
Well, no, because I don't think he brought Commodore O back. He brought... No, what I mean is... Starfleet as a whole. Starfleet lost its way. Everything you said about Starfleet... Oh, oh, they lost its way because of Commodore O. But that's the reason why. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, somewhat. But I do feel that there were probably some people that didn't like the idea of helping... I mean, Admiral Clancy goes into it a little bit with Picard on that idea. So... But I have to assume that's all at Commodore O's recommendation because she's the head of Starfleet Security. What is the recommendation? Well, for Starfleet to do what it did. Oh, probably. But I think that there were were certainly... If the people... Because we remember from the interview at the beginning when Picard's asked. Yeah. They say many people thought it was a bad idea for it to help our our longest enemy, longest standing enemy. Hmm. So I gotta assume there were some Starfleet people. See, I want, and this is what I mean. I want more. I want more on this. This is what I'm talking about. Like, I, I want, you know, they write this and just okay, fine, I'll go yeah. along with what you're saying. But like, I just, when we find out that Commodore O is really the architect of all of this, I think to myself, but give me, give me some more here. Like, I need to know more about Starfleet's position and why. It did what it did. Is it just because Commodore O said this is what we've got to do? Right. Like what was yeah, what happened? Thing, there? It, adds, it adds a new element to it because never before that I know of have we heard of public opinion hmm. in in Star Trek. You know, I can't think of any times when I'm, I feel like there is. I just like nothing's coming to mind. Yeah, but it seems strange that you know the interviewer would say, you know, a lot of people, like the public, was against this move. We never hear about the public's opinion on anything Starfleet does, because usually we're so in Starfleet, in the things we watch. You know, we like we've talked about before, we want to know what's going on on Earth in all these different time periods. We barely know. We, yeah, we do. We, we, we get very little glimpses of what mm-hmm. civilian life on Earth is. And I, I was actually thinking about this a few days ago. I don't know why it popped into my head. Like, If you and I are just civilians on Earth in the 24th century, okay, we, we live on Earth, we're humans, born and raised on Earth. Like, are we considered Federation citizens? I think so, yeah. Or are we... Or like the United States of America? Or is it because... Or do we have to be a member of the... Like, do we have to be a Starfleet officer to be considered that, right? Or no, is it I because think the Earth planets is are part of this federation. Yeah. Like the United States or the, or the European Union. Right. Probably more like the European Union, where it's kind of looser than it is in the U.S. Yeah, I think that's what it's more kind of based off of, yeah. Um, But, yeah, like, public opinion, I I don't... Yeah, I can't can't think of any times where that's come into play. Yeah, so that's very strange that now we're hearing about public opinion. Yeah. Yeah, like, what what are the 24th century suggestion boxes? Right. Yes. Well, you we also, assume if some of the public is against it, some people in Starfleet must be against it well, because you know they're also kind of members of the public. And going back to that episode when we, when we did a podcast on that, our podcast on the episode, you were actually one of the things I remember you mentioning was you were kind of surprised. You were surprised that they even in the 24th century they have gotcha interviewers. Yes. Which um, yeah, that kind of surprised me too. Right, because we, we're led to believe that 
petty political differences have been put aside and we've all you know everyone has realized that just do what's in the public good and, and progress above all else yeah no i i understand that I, that that's kind of surprised me too but i'm not gonna hold that against picard because picard is not the first trek to kind of violate that aspect of trek they've all done it Right. Um, yeah. They've all done yeah. it. They, I mean, it's widely documented that despite Roddenberry saying there's no conflict, okay, well, you don't have drama without conflict. So they need to, you know, figure out a way around this. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, they always had conflict with people in the worlds they visited. Right. But, um, yeah, so I think that this is. You have to. That's a, I think that's an issue that a lot of critics didn't realize was they looked at it. They watched the first episode and they said, "Oh, this is garbage. Starfleet would never do this. This is not what the world's like in in you know." Right. right. But they didn't realize that this is essentially one story in a season. So you had to watch the whole story. In it's order one story. To... I mean, if this were next yeah. gen, it would have been dealt with in one episode. And so you're not going to say in one episode of next gen, Starfleet's corrupt. Right, or you might say it, one admiral's corrupt and then they get exposed by the end and then it's all over. Almost this, every... That's what happened here, but it took ten episodes to do it. Yeah, I mean, this was a ten-hour episode, really, when you get right yeah. down to it. And um, Michael Shabon, I think, even addressed this in a lot of... He does. He did a lot of these, like... Um, he does a lot of these impromptu, like, social media and yeah, AMAs great. with people, which is pretty great. But this, the question of this has come up before, like, why is Starfleet so corrupt? And he's like, I don't know what you mean. He's like, they're not... I think he even said something similar to what I said. I'm like, one admiral and one commodore doesn't make it all of Starfleet corrupt. Yeah. And we don't even know if Clancy was. It just, you and I were talking last week, it seemed like she was. Right, but there's nothing definite. There's nothing definite, because I said to you, I watched that scene again, yeah. and all she tells O is to figure this out. Yeah. She doesn't tell O how to figure it out. Yeah, O's because she has had security, so it wouldn't anyway. have been out of the ordinary to yeah, tell her. Yeah, O's got something going on anyway, so O's just going to do it her way, which is the way we saw. Yeah. Um, Clancy didn't tell her to do it that way. Exactly. It's because Clancy was aggressive and going back and forth with Jean-Luc, and then she talks to O, who we find out is evil. So it had the appearance that Clancy was in on this whole thing. Was she, at the end of the day, we don't no, I'm leaning toward I don't think so. Right. But at the same time, she didn't do much to convince me otherwise either. It's just because she was a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah. So I think that the whole time Picard kept the flame of that positive, yep. progressive idea of Star Trek throughout. So it, it was never. This was never the dark, gritty. No. Whatever and, people claimed it was. And that's the parallel, right? Like. Picard is the representation of the Star Trek that everybody loves. And that's what he's fighting for in this show. He's fighting for the soul of Starfleet or the soul of Star Trek in a way. Yes. And, um, succeeds. Although, again, I don't, I'm, I would argue, I don't, I would argue about how widespread this conspiracy really is because by the end of it, when Riker showed up with the fleet, I mean, it seemed like everything was fine. Yeah, I, I fully respected that 
I mentioned this during the episode, but that his call to Starfleet was just going to send reinforcements for O, but that's when I realized that definitely Starfleet was not completely in bed with the Zotbaj. Yeah, and see, that's another thing I want to know about. I mean, is is what's going to happen now, now that the secret of the Zotbaj in some ways yeah. is out, right? Well, I think you can save that for our questions episode, which is coming up next time next on... Time. In Star Trek, we trust. Yes, one more one more episode to talk about mm-hmm. the rest of the season. But uh, yeah, I would say so. I would say overall for the season, um, if I was to rate it on a scale of one to ten, I would probably give it like a seven point five. I think it could have done more. I think there were some missed opportunities, as we were talking about, but. On a whole, I I liked it. I liked. It. I, I mean, I wasn't crazy about them doing a synth story, but you know, whatever. And I would have. I wanted to see more of the, um, yeah, like the thing that I was mentioning the the impact of the what impact this whole thing has had on the Romulans and, um, hmm. you know, I th- I think I think some things needed. I would have liked to have seen more things fleshed out, <laughs> just to get a better sense of the uh, of, of everything that was going on and. Um, and I like what you said. There's no, um, what did you say? Not a theme. There's no big ideas. Being big ideas. With. The big, yeah. I want yeah. There needed to be a big idea to wrestle with because there was no. And, and I'm glad that this and this within this aspect of it anyway. There was no. There was no threat to the universe, right? But at the end, what was it that they were? Yeah, I guess. I'm with you. I, really, it's the big idea. What is the big idea behind all of it? So, yeah. Uh, but as far as but as far as first seasons of Trek shows go, I mean, this one was pretty good. Cool. Well, I think that's a good place to stop this week, and we're going to be back next week with part three, the final part of our season-long recap of Star Trek Picard. Next week, we're going to be analyzing some of the outlying questions that we have and the threads that we think need a little bit more uh, would you say tightening up? Not think things I wonder about. Things we wonder about. Speculation for next. Where we think this where we think, where we hope, where we'd like the season to go. The show to go next season. So um, tune in for that and then if you want to tweet at us you can tweet at us at in Star Trek We Trust on Twitter. And then if you want, I'll leave the rating portion over to you. Yes, of course. So give us the number of stars or whatever they rate us on the particular service you use, whatever you think we deserve. All right. Well, we'll see everyone about this time next week. LLAP. Peace out.